Merry Christmas, Erica. Merry Christmas, Stephen. Uh, we, we've been off for a while because uh, life has been very, very busy. We, we keep repeating ourselves. That's our excuse every time. When we don't need an excuse because we're literally called Lazy Doctor Who, this is the point. Well, I know, but I, I've, I have felt like I've wanted to watch more episodes prior to this, but I've just been busy. Like, it's actually been busy with work leading up to this where I have to work, like, almost two straight weeks during the holidays mm-hmm. after today. Many of those days, 11 hours a day. 11 hours a day. So this is like this and thankfully New Year's Day, uh, <laughs> schedule permitting, nothing is for sure in the time of going. If you're, if, you're, uh, if you're binge listening to this uh, years in the future, everyone, yes, it's Christmas 2021. Yes, uh, we're still in COVID. Um, uh, because, you know, just in case games get postponed and like mm-hmm. they have to play on New Year's Day when the Doctor Who New Year's Day special happens. Oh, no. uh, so I'm I'm hoping for many reasons that everything stays the same so they're going to have that one day off to watch Doctor Who. Yeah. So, you know, Merry Christmas to everybody who celebrates. Merry yep. whatever else to people who celebrate other things. And happy Saturday or Sunday if you're in Australia, I guess, as we record this <laughs> to to all the rest. That's true. Uh, we're, we are uh, endeavoring to watch uh, the very first Doctor Who Christmas special. It's not really. Did you know that the, uh, the three doctors, um, all four episodes, this is a story that you have seen many times before. Mm-hmm. Many times? Um. This will be my minimum third time. Oh, but that's not many at all. <laughs> it is for me. I guess so. Uh, but pr- I think I've seen it more than that. So maybe this is fourth. Yeah. Yes? I don't know. Like, I'm not you. That's that's true. Um, you were going to tell me an anecdote, and then you said, <laughs> I'm going to save it for the podcast. So this this is your moment. Yeah, I was going to tell you that this is the Doctor Who story that sort of inadvertently ruined... <laughs> The Caves of Androzani for me. What? <laughs> oh, I think I know the re. I think I remember it. Go on. Yeah. So uh, this was during the time when I lived in Madison in my last apartment that I had in Madison, and my brother. We had already. We had been doing every two weeks. We would have dinner, and I think we had already finished Blake Seven, uh, or maybe we hadn't started. I'm, the timeline is a little confusing, but uh, I know we went through a period where we would watch Doctor Who. Yep. Uh, every other Thursday night when we would hang out together, you know, a little sibling activity. And we watched The Third Doctor one of those times and just had a blast. Mm -hmm. We enjoyed it so much. It was just delightful and fun and it was great. Uh, And then the next week, uh, two weeks, rolled around and we thought, okay, well, now what do we watch? And I was already plugged into Doctor Who fandom, had been listening to podcasts and stuff, one of those podcasts being Radio Free Scarrow, in which I kept hearing... The Caves of Androzani, mentioned by Stephen and Warren, over yeah. and over and over again. And I was like, well, this one's supposed to be really amazing, so why don't we watch this one next? It is supposed to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we sat down, and we turned it on, and we watched it, and we watched the whole thing. Right. And at the end, we kind of turned to each other and went, what? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> why do people like this? It's it's grim and terrible and it's just so uh, dark and it's not fun. <laughs> so uh, that's that's basically my first... Uh, I mean, I had watched Caves of Androzani before along with the entire run of um, the like fourth, fifth, and sixth, and mostly seventh Doctors at least once or twice uh-huh. uh, back in the 90s. But I hadn't seen it since then, so I didn't remember it. And watching it out of context... After watching this delightful romp that is the three doctors, oh boy, that just yeah, it was like a kick in the gut. 
Doctor Who kicked me in the gut. I didn't like that. That's kind of like I saw uh, Lord of the Rings, the first movie. Wasn't that impressed by it? Uh, saw it again mm-hmm. in the lead up to because someone wanted to go to the Two Towers, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I saw the Two Towers and loved it. And then I got back into and then I watched the and then I watched Return of the King, and then I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. And then like meet like the next day. Um, the first Harry Potter film was like on somewhere and I watched it and I was like mm. and because of that it tainted my opinion of Harry Potter the movies because I was like this is this just feels like warmed over Lord of the Rings with like more whimsy and more children which is like you know kryptonite so that's actually a really good description of Harry Potter honestly as far as I'm concerned warmed over Lord of the Rings with more children and more whimsy yep mm-hmm. and some broom basketball game that they play uh well we're not here to dump on harry potter we're here to praise the three dogs i saw this um first first off this celebrated the 10th anniversary of doctor who at the at the start of the 10th season of doctor who but it actually the i think this episode aired december 28th or december 30th 1972 a month after its ninth anniversary (laughs) So that's why I call it a Christmas episode because it, like it's right around Christmas that this thing aired. The the gel guards are could very conceivably be Christmas ornaments or or Christmas candies or Christmas candies. That is true. They kind of look like kind of like some strange like jelly beans all mushed together on a bigger jelly bean. Sounds kind of gross when you say it <laughs> like that. But uh, this is one of the rare ones that I remember. I read the book. It was a beat-up old Target novelization that was in the library, and it had the pictures of the three doctors on the cover, uh, drawn by, the, I think, the late Chris Akaleos. Um, and no, that was a different one. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm off track already. Uh, but I remember reading it. I, I think that was must have been the first time I thought, I thought, oh, there are other doctors other than Tom Baker, the only one I knew of. So I read this before I ever saw the, the, the story. And I'm, but what, what I remember most about it is that I remember reading about the various blobs that came out of the drain and everything like that. And even then, even at a young age then, I thought to myself, I wonder how they did that <laughs> special effect. Mm-hmm. on the veg- And I, it took me years later to finally see this, like in like 1990 or something like that. So, What was your reaction to then seeing it? Were you disappointed or did you think it looked cool? Oh, probably disappointed. Uh, but, you know, I think, I think even then I was thinking, ah, oh, bless him. <laughs> I think even then. Yeah. I think on my first watch, I probably thought it was a little disappointing. And that's almost even what I thought just like the, my first glimpse was like, oh, that doesn't look like that's existing in the same plane of existence at all here. And then suddenly something clicked in my head and went, right, it shouldn't look like it is existing in the same plane <laughs> of existence. I feel like this may be the best Doctor Who special effect <laughs> there ever has been. Because how do you visually encapsulate something that just doesn't fit in reality, well, guess what? That doesn't fit in the reality. And I feel like, can you imagine if we looked over at the k- kitchen door over there right. and like creeping out of the vent was something that looked exactly like that, only it was hovering on the floor uh-huh. of our, like that would be, I think, honestly, more scary and trippy and mind bending sure. than seeing, I don't know, a worm creature. Like, like a CG worm creature come out of things. Yeah. Or even not a CG worm creature, even like, you know, like a very, very, really good, real, uh, you know, 
actual prop, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. A, a creature effect or something, right? Or okay, let's pretend that they're like you know creepy alien worm creatures are real. Right. Picture one climbing out of the uh, the vent over there, scary, yep. really really terrifying. Yeah. I think that would be significantly less terrifying if than if we saw exactly what we just saw in the three doctors, those weird color effects that aren't quite there. If we saw that like spinning in the doorway over there, that's scarier than a worm. That would be kind of, right? yeah, yeah. So that's why, like, my I'm now arguing that the greatest special effect in the history of Doctor Who wow. is those those things here in The Three Doctors. There you go. And it, as we'll learn, it's it's antimatter. Mm-hmm. So, like, what else would, what like, matter coming into our, you know, antimatter coming into our universe mm-hmm. wouldn't look like matter. Exactly. That is that is my point. Yeah, we haven't officially, like, this is, this is just episode one that we have watched. So they haven't spe- Spoilers. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they did say... Uh, that it's coming out of a black hole, and that, that like you know, th- they hinted at it very, yeah. very strongly. So anyway, so that's I'm I'm going on record and making this my new. I need to remember this for upcoming episodes, of Verity, yeah. or you know, Doctor Who panels at conventions and stuff. You know, what's the greatest special effect ever? The three Doctors, not the Jail Guards, sadly, although they look surprisingly good <laughs> because people make fun of them a lot. But as like, I love the way that they just pop into existence. Yep. I think that looks amazing, and yeah, and they're just they're weird looking. They also kind of look like they don't fit, so that's that's nice. Until they start walking, and or then, hopping, yeah, and then then they're a lot less convincing and much more, I don't know, adorable. I think. Yeah, it's got it got it, they kind of should have used like a Dalek method of of propulsion like have big giant like wheel and just sort of roll along like that instead of like hopping along that's hard over like country territory through the woods and stuff so that's not i I understand why they couldn't do it um and but yeah shuffle hopping along Mm -hmm. was not as convincing as it would have i would have liked so i would also like to say that in addition to the weird stuff being the best special effect in Doctor Who history. I also think that bringing back the gel guards in modern day Doctor Who would be fantastic because with a combination of like, you know, weird costuming and, you know, the, the really good use of CG to soften up the edges and make it look, you know, less goofy Mm -hmm. could be just, you know, that would be like a marriage made in heaven. And I would love to see updated gel guards. That would be fascinating. Maybe in the 60th anniversary special, <laughs> heralding Russell T. Davies' return mm-hmm. to Doctor Who, it'll be a uh, a um, <laughs> three Doctors homage with Omega returning, with Ooh. the Gel Guards returning, uh, with a little uh, reflective. Basically, what what the uh, the little worm thing that as you mentioned was mm-hmm. was essentially uh, a, a guy, a puppeteer, mm-hmm. with two little sticks, and in between that was like basically silver tinsel. Cool. And it was like they treated they it was on like green screen or blue screen CSO, and uh, um, and they treated those effects uh, like the reflection of that and put like yeah so and it was all done live in studio, you know like cut to camera two shooting this superimpose it live, yeah. Wow, like I never would have guessed that. I don't know. To me, I have I would never have guessed anything because I don't know much about special effects at that mm-hmm. time. But I wouldn't have guessed that there was any physical help for that at all like it just to me i don't know it just looked like weird colors like a cartoon superimposed in the real life yep. fascinating good job live stuff we wouldn't have uh post-production visual effects in doctor who for for the most part until like 
four or five years after this. Wow. Yep. Yep. Um, anyway, I adore this story two bits uh, because I read it, because I watched it. Um, I remember when I was uh, playing lego with my you know i had like i had in my own mind i had adventures uh with my little <laughs> space lego crew and stuff like that it just eventually became doctor who and eventually there was one episode or something in this fictitious show that i had made mm-hmm. of which there's an episode guide in a binder in our podcast Aww. studio uh and there was like the three commanders or something. basically it was a ripoff of this but basically mm-hmm. i had in my head that they would there would be three of them because mm-hmm. i loved the story so much as a kid and still do that is so sweet. I didn't know that you had like an outline for the TV show of Lego people that you never made. Well, it wasn't an outline as such, but as a historical. Um, I, yeah, I had an imaginative childhood. <laughs> That's so sweet. Yep. Um, I Basically, I recreated the episode guide for this fictitious show of mine gotcha. based on the Doctor Who one, essentially. And there was like, you know, this. And I remember I remember, I changed. And eventually, he became a Time Lord. He was called Commander Y, the letter Y. Get it? Uh-huh. And, and I would say, oh, I'm going to change him now. And you get to, he gets regenerated. And there's this one guy always going to be sort of like more stick up, uh, you know, sort of like more officious and stuff like that. And I didn't like him, so I killed him off pretty quick. And so <laughs> I imagine that he was going to be only there for two seasons and mm-hmm. stuff. And yeah, I'm a nerd. I love you even more than I did two minutes ago. This is amazing. Yep. This is this is this is how I came to be. This is why <laughs> we're doing a podcast about Doctor Who in a house full of Lego mm-hmm. on Christmas Day. Yeah, Merry Christmas indeed. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh what'd you think about episode one of the three doctors then? I really like it. I feel like it uh really ropes you in. Mm-hmm. To start with, you know, you got poor Mr. Aulis disappearing. Like, what the heck just happened there? And I love that his wife is just like, oh, this is not unusual. He'll be back later. Right. No big deal. Uh, and then, you know, there's sciencey stuff happening. And, you know, the brigadier's like, uh, no, show the science stuff to the, to the doctor. <laughs> the, the doctor yeah. reads it. And, I mean, the pass me a silicone rod is a little over the top. But it fits in the sort of celebratory silly joyous style of this story like Mm -hmm. i feel like that's i I wouldn't have wanted to see that in a non-special episode i think kind of like how christmas episodes it being christmas um have their own sort of feel a little bit uh this this kind of it really does feel like that to me yeah i think so too um it's a celebration Mm -hmm. celebration 10 years of the show you know nine years of the show 10 seasons of this show uh, and and but it doesn't feel it's interesting. Apparently, the the notion of having three doctors in one episode was something that fans had sort of written in about mm-hmm. over the years. This this was not like necessarily a, like a brand new idea. And Barry Letts and Terry Stick sort of like kind of reluctantly said, "Oh, I mean, it's the tenth. Why not? Mm-hmm. You know, they're always looking for a hook." To start a new season, the Master in season eight, the Daleks coming back in season nine. So I thought, what what better hook to come out of uh, the tenth season than have all past three Doctors mm-hmm. uh, come in? So they they sent out missive, and they had to juggle the recording. This is this is recorded after the next story, the next two stories, the next two stories in this season have already been recorded. Wow! Uh, because someone, Patrick Troughton, is the busiest man in show business, mm-hmm. and he he needed uh, to fit this in his schedule. He had um, some concerns about finding the character again oh that's interesting that doesn't surprise me because i know he is a very good very good actor and he has done so many parts probably in between he'd had like 50 different jobs or something like that so and i appreciate his 
you know, commitment to the craft enough and his appreciation for the show that he would want to come back to it in a way that does the show justice and does his part justice. That's nice. That's nice to hear. Yeah. You know, he just doesn't sort of like go through the motions of what he think it would be. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he, I don't think he had the opportunity to go back and watch old episodes because we're likely gone by that point. Um, uh, but yeah, um, which is, he's good. He's good at it. He doesn't feel like he's been gone away for three years. No, no. He certainly found the character again, without a doubt. And I do, you know, this is our first like real multi-doctor story Mm -hmm. and it establishes the bickeriness between different uh, iterations of the doctor. And I find that like, you know, it it continues on. Uh, And that just, that has always worked for me because I've always thought like, you know, I read a lot of science fiction Mm -hmm. and watch a lot of science fiction. And like the idea of being able to go back in time or clone my, and talk to myself or clone myself or something. And like, I always think that would be terrible. I would not want to have to interact with another version of me. Like I just, for so many reasons, I feel like that would not be great. And then to see this happen and have two different iterations of the same person meet and bicker as just like, yes, vindication. Uh, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is how it would work. I know. I lo- listen. I look back like sometimes Facebook, Bob. Oh, here's what you said six years ago, and I think that's not even funny. What was I thinking back then? I would be arguing with myself from six years ago. There would be two versions of me in my forties not agreeing with each other. So yeah. Totally two doctors from way separated in the timelines would argue with each other. Mm-hmm. And I and I feel like that concept really is sort of like taken to heart by the modern Who showrunners. And, you know, the idea that the doctor has some really deep seated self, you know, self-hatred, self-flagellation mm-hmm. sort of issues uh, that are coming out. And I mean, by modern Who, there it. Uh, part of that is because oh no no I'm I'm so emo because I destroyed my planet. But there's there's also just like the you know the doctor isn't particularly fond of himself in a lot of ways. No. Is uh you know that's a that's a thing that keeps coming back and it it really starts here and I like it and it's also just really fun to watch. It's a lot of fun to watch. It's fun to watch Trouton in color. It's fun to you know just being that that imp. Uh, you know uh that sort of you know Pertwee's the straight man and and Trouton is uh. The dandy and the clown. The dandy and the clown. Mm-hmm. Poor old William Hartnell appears on the screen there. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I wish that they had, I mean, they probably wouldn't know it at the time, but I wish they would have had more shots of Hartnell um, like actually cut in as opposed to a shot showing a screen of Hartnell because, you know, you don't get a good picture of him really. Um, it's very rare that Hartnell is actually seen on screen that isn't on a on a screen on screen if you know what I mean I'm kind of okay with it from the uh, from the Doyleist perspective ah. for a change just because he was he was not well, not well. Um, otherwise he would have been integrated in the story a lot more uh, and I feel like they the, the makers of the show did as best like sometimes the best stuff in Doctor Who comes out of having rails and limitations right. and stuff and I feel like they did a good job with this he wasn't healthy he wasn't able to fully participate in the way that they I think it wanted him to originally so but they made it work like you know I'm, I'm trapped up here and the fact that you you know it's been more years since William Hartnell was on screen mm-hmm. than it has been since Patrick Troughton was on screen yep. so Troughton hasn't really aged enough uh, you know we're not talking two doctors territory here no. at this point um so he is still his good old self. I think even if William Hartnell had been, uh, you know, healthy enough to interact with the other two, like on set or something, his he would look 
different and probably act different enough yep. because he really would have maybe lost the character. We don't know. Maybe not. Maybe he kept that in him all the time. Um, but I like just seeing him on the screen and I like seeing him on a screen on a screen mm-hmm. because I feel like that sort of papers over the differences a little bit and it gives us a little bit more evenness in terms of who are all of these doctors and how well they meet our reminiscences of what they were like when they were originally on screen like seeing Patrick Troughton in color is fascinating and the fact that he is still so true to the character makes it work Mm -hmm. because at first it's a little bit jarring but seeing William Hartnell in color I can't get used to that like even (laughs) even on in the screen on the screen it's just like that is wrong that is not right so I have I have even a little bit of trouble with that so I'm I am all for him being you know two layers removed from everything else because to me it just makes it feel a little bit more natural well, let's see what you think about Richard Herndel then as no. the first doctor and the five doctors at Andrew's time. I mean, that's the first that's the first first doctor I ever saw, so uh, mm-hmm. first first doctor that a lot of people saw. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um what else about this? Uh oh, uh as we watch the DVD animation um from Gav Rymel on the on the on the box set, this might be my favorite classic series TARDIS set. It mm-hmm. sort of evokes the very first one with like the things on there like where the fault locator would be sort of like the original Hartnell one. Mm-hmm. Um, it ends the tyranny of the three weeks of the washing up bowls that we had for the time monster. And But we only see this one for like two stories itself too. So don't get used to it. I guess I won't. But yeah, as soon as they walked into the TARDIS and I saw the walls, I was like, oh, thank God the toilets are gone. Yep. I was very pleased that we'd never had to see that TARDIS set again because it was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I do enjoy the interior of the TARDIS. That's nice. I guess I hadn't really thought too much about, you know, favorites versus not. But it's, it is. It feels clean yeah. in a way um, and modern in a 1970s sort of way, mm-hmm. which is which is very nice. Um, I also... What else? I was going to say something else. Oh, the Time Lords. We haven't talked about the Time Lords yet. I was going to mention them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, no collars. Thank you. Oh. Even though it's designed by Jim Atchison, who would eventually design the collars, which, of course, are used only for ceremonial use. Mm-hmm. But everyone just picks up on it and dresses Mounties in their red surge for everyday duties, which is not a thing that happens. Mm-mm. Nope. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that is the thing that, like, I, as much as I love the, the collars and the skull caps, it's like, I think they have more punch when they're used for ceremonial yeah. use only. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really like that the I, that they're still, like, they still have some grandiosity and pomposity in their quote-unquote everyday outfits <laughs> because they still have, like, that big bib thing, yep. which which is a lot. And then some of them even have amazing cloaks. Business cloaks. Yeah, like... Those are super sweet. And like, you know, the guy who's in charge of the, I don't know, military or whatever. He's got the gold chain around his neck. Like, you know, yep. that's closing his his cloak. It's, uh, I, I just, I love these costumes a lot. Uh, and, you know, it, it doesn't diminish my love for the later costumes with the, co- you know, the, the ceremonial costumes. But I, I just like the idea that at this point, the Time Lords are still ostentatious, even in their day-to-day garb. Mm-hmm. Um it's I love like, like these might be are they my favorite Time Lord costumes? Probably not. I still like the still like the collars, but uh, but I feel like the collars that come later have been really I don't know. I've downgraded them because I just like it's like a song that you love that then gets overplayed on the radio yeah. again and again and again, and it's like okay, I don't really need to hear this song anymore, even though I know it was good. These 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 outfits here uh-huh. not overplayed. No, uh, we only see them really here. Yep. Um, we have so, but 
we have, have seen, I can't remember if Graham Lehman was a Graham Lehman's the guy in the chair on the screen. Graham Lehman had, I think, MS at the time and did not have full use of his legs. Mm. But, you know, the 1970s, I think we've mentioned it before on this podcast about, you know, having a disability in the acting profession back then mm. was kind of seen as like a, like, well, good luck getting work. And so a lot of people sort of gave him uh, seated parts. Uh, and indeed, all five of his uh, Doctor Who, five, four or five Doctor Who roles are him seated or unseen, you know, mm-hmm. off like he plays a uh, yeah. ice warrior in the seeds of death. Um, and so he's there. But uh, the other one, uh, in addition to Roy Purcell, who has appeared as the captain of the guard, I think, in The Mind of Evil, is Clyde Pollitt. Clyde Pollitt, who plays the Time Lord, but you can't, that guy, mm-hmm. he played... Uh, the time a time lord one of the main time lords in speaking roles in episode 10 of the war games was it intended that he was the actual same character was that continuity because you know this in these days i mean there's no continuity between the look of gallifrey and war games in this but was that a conscious decision or was that just oh hey clyde pollitt he'd be good i don't remember i mean how many years was it in between those two three that's not not that much time and you know i'm sure he remembered that he played a time lord before and you know probably mentioned it he's the ken bones of um of classic doctor who playing the the bald general who eventually regenerated uh, into tanaya miller he's in the day of the doctor Mm -hmm. and hellbent right yeah Yeah. i i mean i wouldn't be surprised if it's supposed to be the same character and and like i don't have any I'm not angry at all about the differences in the look of the Time Lords from the previous episode to this, because this is a completely different section of Time Lord life. Like, you know, before it was a very, like, it was ceremonial in sort of a different way. Like, they're putting somebody on trial. So they're in this big, you know, gaudy room. These are dudes who are doing their everyday jobs to try to just keep the gosh darn Time Lords and time safe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're sitting at their control, like, you know, there's, and like I said, they're still ostentatious, just in a different way so i i'm I'm fine with it and i love the idea that it is supposed to be (laughs) the same character uh maybe he's gotten a promotion at this point i don't know uh i can't remember in the war games was he like he wasn't like the in charge in chargest one was he no i think bernard horsefall was sort of the one and there was clyde paul clyde paul was the one that sort of arranged for the doctor to see oh y'all arranged for a little while i don't know why he sounds like yoda sometimes but uh that's uh that's that guy yeah so my thought is like he was one of the more junior time lords at that point Mm -hmm. and has has gotten a promotion by this time and you know this could be hundreds of years later on gallifrey we don't know that's Uh, true sports teams change their looks more often than time lords do so Mm -hmm. i mean Star Trek Discovery had new uniforms at the end of last season and by the beginning of the season four they had new uniforms again so like in the space of six months Star Trek changed their uniforms three times so yeah time loads do what you want yep yeah I'm I'm fine with it and yeah. I do like I yeah I accept the headcanon that it's, it's the same the same character as well mm-hmm. I do too um anything else it's a lot of a lot of chatter for one episode of Doctor Who we still got three more to go to I know but we always start off with like quite a lot on the first episode we because do. there's it's so much new stuff and then a lot of that carries on throughout the other episodes and then we don't have to repeat it um, for example joe's outfit being real cute yep mm-hmm. the sort of the 
powder blue kind of thing with the boots and the frilly thing. Yeah, and she's she's wearing like a str- very short sweater dress with uh, with blue leggings underneath it, yep. um, and uh, and boots and stuff, which is which is cute. Also, Joe's just she's smart. Like by this time, she really gets stuff. I love the idea of her. You know, you see the doctors, which was a great effect. I thought also of. Uh, of the two doctors saying contact and then just zip 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 cut 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 between their faces uh that was amazing um and then joe just immediately you know obviously benton doesn't know what the heck Mm -hmm. that was and joe just explaining it oh mine like she just she's so much smarter than people give her credit for a lot of the time she's she's clever and she picks up on things yeah i i'm um that's true when you know and and the brigadier asks, you know, what does that mean? So let me just faster than light, you know, just like without looking away. Yep. It's faster than light, still looking at the thing. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, the 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 famous line in this, of course, is you know, uh, it isn't. Oh, I see you've redecorated. Uh-huh. It's uh, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. It's oh, I've seen you've done that, done the place up a bit. I don't like it. So it's the version in the five doctors that echoes this, that mm-hmm. becomes the the famous quip. Yep. But it's inaccurate, which mm-hmm. I find amusing. Kind of just like in the Five Doctors, it's like you know, uh, I'm you know the original. You might say is the Hartnell thing, mm-hmm. but it's not Hartnell. It's Richard Hartnell saying that, ironically, because he's not mm-hmm. the original. And also the you know reverse the polarity of the neutron flow, which is said in the Five Doctors by yeah. the Third Doctor, even though he only says that one time in his entire career. Yeah, we've already passed it in the Sea Devils. Yep. Yeah. So it's funny seeing the origin of these quotes and how they're actually not. Mm-hmm different i don't know what liberty hall is still to this day i've never actually googled it yeah so if somebody wants to like tweet at us or send us an email and is. explain like what does that is. liberty hall mention mean yeah. i'm sure it's something scathing from from the brig but yeah uh, mm-hmm. looking ahead it took me years to realize that cromer i think was a uh, beach resort or something in uh, <laughs> in england lincolnshire i think mm. yeah the other thing i wanted to mention about this is I think that Sergeant Benton's experience of the interior of the TARDIS for the first time is one of my favorites because it is, it's just like it plays against type in so many ways. So many companions come in and are wowed. They're fascinated. There's like this sense of either like somewhat like it's confusion on the part of like Ian and Barbara and stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, but for the most part, like it's people like just kind of overjoyed, like or you know I'm gonna run outside and run around it and right. see and like it's just it's bigger on the inside, it's amazing, wow this is cool. And for poor Sergeant Benton, he comes in and like it hurts his brain. You can see on his face that it is just like this is beyond my understanding. This is too much for little old me, mm-hmm. and I don't know what to do with it, and I'm struggling and. He's just, you know, the doctor being like, you just go ahead and say it. Everybody says it's bigger on the inside. And he's just like, well, that's pretty obvious. But it's like he's saying that from a place of, I I don't like this. I want to go home. He's like a scared kitty who has been moved to a new room and just wants to get back into the old room that he recognizes Kitten Academy is on the second. Direct reference to a recent thing that happened on Kitten Academy. Yep. Yep. yep, It's true. Um, So, yeah. So, like, my heart hurts a little bit for Sergeant Benton. And I think that's amazing and hilarious. And I'm going to reference something in Flux. Doctor Who Flux right now. So right. if you haven't watched Flux yet, you know, maybe stop for like 30 seconds. But uh, Vinder experiencing the TARDIS for the first time is one of my other favorites yeah. because he understands what a TARDIS is, but he's never seen one. So when he pops his head in and just goes, what? Like it's with the most excitement, but excitement 
born of knowing what he was going to see and then seeing that it's actually real. Yeah. So, and this is exactly the opposite of it. This is, I don't understand it. I didn't think this was going to happen. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> but then he accepts it. Just just as I see Bumble the cat just sort of like chilling out on the bench there. Mm-hmm. So she got used to her room and Benton is pretty Aww. pretty in touch now with the uh, the TARDIS. Oh no, did we just accidentally nickname Sergeant Benton Bumble or Bumbles? Let's not call him Bumbles. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> For reasons we won't get into. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. Anything else about uh, about Three Doctors Part 1? Episode 1, I should say. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think, you know, we've, we've talked on a lot and there's a lot of stuff that's just going to continue and let's just take it as read that I continue enjoying those things throughout the rest of the episodes. Uh, we might even mention them again. Who knows? Maybe. Well, all right. On to episode two and maybe three and four. Until next time. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>